lose everyone. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. I see dead people. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? And knowing is half the battle. What the deuce? Must have the And I'll form the head. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away. What you talking about, woman? Wow, infotainment. Welcome to another edition of Transmissions Extra. And we're extra tired of revolution reviews at this point. <laughs> but we're continuing on because there's only a couple left. So we're back again. I'm here with Jeremy. Hello. And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. Hey. <laughs> Yo, Joe. Let's talk G.I. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Excited. <Gotta be> tough. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're coming we're coming to the end of the revolution event. We've I think uh, G.I. Joe Revolution One Shot and uh, Revolution issue number five, which should be out any time now. I think those are the last couple of books, and then we'll we'll have more than meets the eye revolution. That'll be out uh a little bit later, but we'll probably do that in the main transmissions show because that's all Transformers. Um, so, uh, how's everyone feeling about Revolution so far? I'll just uh, throw that out there as we're as we're going through. I was enjoying it for the most part. Like you know, we all have our issues with it, but I- I've been enjoying it up until this book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Daryl, what did you think? Um, I am, I'm very much done with it. It it happened, it happened well before this issue. Um, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. Um, I, I actually, I miss, I miss the stories from, from more than meets the eye and, and XRID and, and these stories that are including the, all the other groups and such I'm, I'm done with. I'm I'm ready to get back to some some real Transformers stories. All right, yeah, I, and I hope we get there soon. So we've we've got uh, Optimus Prime number one coming very soon, and then Lost Light number one. So we'll we'll look forward to those until all our one is still going. Yeah, we have until so all our one number five coming up. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's get into this comic. So this is the GI Joe Revolution tie-in one shot. The title is DTA, which uh, they don't really say it anywhere in the book, but I'm guessing this stands for Don't Trust Anyone. Uh, This is written by Aubrey Citizen. Now, I got the hard names this week, Jeremy. Art by Giannis Milonogiannis? Milonogiannis, maybe? It doesn't matter. (laughs) It matters. Colors by uh, Lovern Kinzierski. Letters by Chris Mowry, edits by Carlos Guzman, and publisher Ted Adams. So we have three covers this week, so not a huge amount of covers, and the blank sketch cover. So the first cover is what looks like Soundwave's hand coming down on a bunch of uh, well-known Joes, including uh, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, Roadblock, Quick Kick, uh, Shipwreck, and Rock and Roll, so... Most of these guys are in the issue. Soundwave is not. Uh, that art is by Aaron Conley and colors by Michael Garland. The subscription cover is 
scarlet rock and rolling roadblock in the foreground with a silhouette shadow of uh, Optimus Prime and Soundwave in the background. And that is art by Giannis Milono Giannis, the artist uh, for this book. And then the incentive cover is uh, another one of Ken Christensen's covers. I think this is the one that's tying into his whole huge tapestry. Yeah, you can and, see what looks like the side, like the the tips of sound or of um, Starscream's wings on the right side. Just okay, the tip. yeah, just the tip. <laughs> but uh, we do have the we have our our five main characters for this book: uh, Scarlet, Roadblock, Wild Bill, Quick Kick, and Rock and Roll, uh, rendered by Ken Christensen. So, uh, Daryl, which of these covers are you interested in? I, oh, I forgot the blank sketch cover, so I guess you can pick that one, too. I, I would pick that one. <laughs> um, and uh, I I'm probably um, would leave it blank, and then it would be better. But um, but I guess if I picked one with actual artwork on it, it would be the uh, Milano Giannis squared um, <laughs> cover. It uh, I don't know. It looks the most... I don't know. Guess I guess comic booky to me, and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't get the whole uh, the sound wave uh, hand coming down. Um, I mean, I, I get it, but it doesn't make sense with uh, with him not being in the issue. But um, but yeah, the other Ken Christensen's art it's it's very it's it's well done. It's it's very painted. Um, I just it, it, I don't particularly like it. Yeah. Okay. Jeremy, which uh, cover do you pick? I'd also pick the subscription A, um, mainly because it, Giannis did the interior art and it, it matches. And um, I don't know, the regular cover, that art style just doesn't really do anything for me. So it was really between uh, the RI and this one. And I just, because it matched the interiors of the book, I prefer it. All right. I am going to agree with you guys and also pick the subscription cover and uh, for the same reasons it's matches the art in the book and has the, I think is the, the most suited for this story. So even though prime and Soundwave still don't show up at all in this, uh, in the stories anyway, but yeah. All right. So let's get into GI Joe revolution. So Scarlet leads a team of Joes to the earth defense command facility at the bikini Atoll. The EDC base has not responded to any communications for two days, and Scarlet is worried that it's been compromised. Since the revelation that Joe Colton was an alien dire wraith, there's no telling how many of the Joes have been replaced by alien infiltrators. There's an important asset at the EDC base that Scarlet and the Joes can't afford to lose. Scarlet assembles five Joes she can trust, Shipwreck, Rock and Roll, Wild Bill, Roadblock, and Quick Kick. Shipwreck pilots his submarine to the Bikini Atoll and launches the five, the other five Joes from the torpedo tubes to land, hopefully covertly, on the shore of the island base. On the beach, Scarlet splits the team into two groups. Scarlet and Roadblock are Team Alpha and will approach the base directly, and Rock and Roll, Quick Kick, and Wild Bill are Team Bravo, or, as Rock and Roll says, Team Zulu, and will provide backup support if things go south. Scarlet continues to try to hail the EDC base on the comms, but there's no answer. As she and Roadblock approach, they encounter heavy fire. 
The base has definitely been overrun by the dire wraiths. Scarlet warns Rock and Roll that the base has been compromised and that any Joes in the base have most likely been killed or corrupted by the dire wraiths. Rock and Roll is incredulous and is reluctant to attack his own people, but Rock and Roll gets the hard truth up close as their own teammate, Wild Bill, reveals himself to be a wraith and attacks. Quick Kick stops Wild Bill from knifing Rock and Roll in the back, but he's no match for the wraith's Wild Bill's tentacle attacks and takes a couple of wounds in the abdomen. As Wraith Wild Bill moves in for the kill and strangles Quick Kick with his tentacles, Rock and Roll grabs a gun and brutally bludgeons the dire Wraith to death. Rock and Roll contacts Scarlet and updates her on the situation. Wild Bill was an alien, Quick Kick is injured, and Rock and Roll is pissed. Scarlet decides the mission must go on and orders Roadblock to cover her with his heavy weapons fire while she lays down some explosives. The Wraiths drop all pretense and come at the Joes en masse. Scarlet sets the explosives and uses a fire arrow with her signature crossbow to ignite the bomb, giving Rock and Roll a huge distraction and an opening to move into the base. Rock and Roll, carrying an injured quick kick on his back, mows down the dire Wraiths in the base as he searches for the asset they have to extract. He gets most of the Wraiths, but one manages to slash his soldier, making it hard for Rock and Roll to carry Quick Kick any further. Quick Kick tells Rock and Roll to leave him behind with a gun to defend himself, and Rock and Roll reluctantly does as he asks. As Rock and Roll goes deeper into the base, he confronts another fellow Joe, Grand Slam. He tries to reason with him, but Grand Slam is spooked and thinks Rock and Roll is one of the enemy. Rock and Roll isn't so sure Grand Slam isn't an alien either and refuses to drop his weapon when ordered. Finally, Rock and Roll decides to end to end the standoff and shoots Grand Slam point blank in the chest. To his dismay, Grand Slam doesn't change into a dire wraith. He was human after all, and Rock and Roll is devastated that he had to kill his friend. As Rock and Roll is reeling in his shock and grief, a voice from behind consoles Rock and Roll that Grand Slam was a good man, but he couldn't handle the stress of the situation. Rock and Roll turns and realizes with horror that the asset they were sent to rescue the VIP for which they sacrifice so much is the Decepticon Skywarp. To be continued in the all-new ongoing G.I. Joe. The crown jewel of the Hasbro universe. So, this was a pretty quick book. Um, not a lot happened. And, yeah, it felt, felt pretty much, you know, just a... Really quick story, not really much to do, and really, I don't know. It just felt kind of, I don't know, not very, <laughs> not very. It didn't really like give me a, a good picture of GI Joe, other than like they're completely uh, compromised by the dire wraiths, and you know, there's very few Joes that are left. I mean, one thing I'll say about Revolution is they're not afraid to kill off G.I. Joe characters and have them all be like taken over by body snatchers. So uh, I guess compliments for <laughs> for killing more Joes in this in the series. Um, but Gerald, what did you think? Um, well, the one prop that I can give this the book is that it, it, it gives rock and roll the the moral dilemma of when he kills his fellow Joe, right? Um, right near the end of the book, right? right. It's, that's, that's the, 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 
the story that you usually get when you have shapeshifters or body snatchers or something that can look and act like you, your friends, um, you know, so you end up killing your friends and they weren't, you know, shapeshifters or body snatched or whatever. Um, so the, the fact that they did that in the book, you know, kudos, it was a good, it was a good thing to use. Um, uh, but now you've used it, so don't use it again. Um, uh, but I won't be reading any more of the books, so I won't know. <laughs> the, so th- um, this, did, this did not convince you to pick up G.I. Joe is what you're telling no, me. No, <laughs> no, it didn't. The, the art, the art's okay. I mean, it's, it, the art's gritty, but it's, it's fine for, I mean, there's, there's certain levels of comic book art that I'm willing to accept. Um, and, and this was by no means Tom Scioli bad. So th- I knew this, you were going to go there. This was, this was, you know, I could tell what was being done here and, and this was, you know, this was okay. I could, I could handle it. This was, this was fine. Um, and, uh, you know, everything, everything looked like it was supposed to look, you know? Um, so I had no problem with the art. Um, the story, I mean, I understood what they were trying to do with the story. It's uh, it's a quick mission. They all got put on this one quick mission. They needed to go rescue an asset. They had no idea. It was a need-to-know basis. Um, I get it. It was it was fast. They needed to get through it quickly, so they did. Um, and, uh, but, you know, it's, there's very little story. There's very, very little character building. The, the, um the story really does rely on you knowing the characters coming into it. Um, and for someone like me who, um, has never really paid any attention to GI Joe characters, right? I know Scarlet from the revolution books coming in. I don't know who this quick kit guy is. Uh, I don't know who rock and roll is. Um, you know, I don't know who these other guys are, you know, uh, I'm assuming this guy's name is Quick Kick because he's good at kicking. <laughs> um, you know, so I don't, you know, it, it does definitely rely on you knowing G.I. Joe be, uh, prior to reading the book. Um, and, and, you know, that's it's a one shot. So y- you'd think that you would have to know it. This is definitely not like the, um, I think it was the Micronauts book that we kind of took as a, as an issue zero, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, this was, oh, you mean, you mean the mask, you mean the oh, mask, it was mask. Yes. So the mask yeah. book was a, a lot better in, in the ways of you could definitely pick up the mask book and you could start that one from, from scratch because that one introduced you to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one did not, uh, you needed to know who everyone was, uh, to, to make sense of it. Um, or they were all just, this is the blonde Joe. This is the Asian Joe. This is the black Joe. This is the girl Joe. Um, and they all. This is the alien Joe. Who's the, the bad alien. Guy. <laughs> That's right. This really They're... depended on you being familiar with the cartoon. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, with that being said, um, this is not going to be a book that I'm going to pick up. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm sure that there's G.I. Joe fans out there that will appreciate it. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm not going to follow it. And as far as it being the crown jewel of the Hasbro universe, um, I'm going to, 
I'm going to let Jeremy handle that one. <laughs> well, I mean, I do think they did a good job with rock and roll. I mean, at least, you know, I had I have no kind of affection or memory of rock and roll from the 80s uh, cartoon or comic. But in this book, like I got a sense of who he was and. You know, as you said, that moral dilemma he had to, he had at the end of the book. So yeah, and and that's going to be good going forward with his character having you know something serious to deal with in yeah. addition to everything going on around him. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I think he was really the only one who had any kind of story arc in this book. So, uh, Jeremy, what did you think? I enjoyed the book for the most part until that last page. We'll get there. <laughs> I mean, the the book itself i thought that you know like daryl was saying it's kind of a typical shapeshifter so you have to kill one of your buddies by mistake type thing at some points it felt like it was a little zombie the way some of the um diaries mm-hmm. were drawn yeah but i mean basically it's just you know your small group of heroes kind of overwhelmed by some kind of monsters um you know, we're we're left to wonder what happened to Quick Kick. I mean, a lot, a lot of things are set up for the ongoing. But I, I was enjoying it, you know, for what it was. I don't hate G.I. Joe. I I read the regular IDW ongoing for a couple years. I, I like the cartoon. I mean, it, I got the entire run of Transformers versus G.I. Joe and enjoyed that. But... To call it the crown jewel is just insulting everything that has been going on while there has been no G.I. Joe comic outside of the Larry Hama stuff. It's insulting even My Little Pony and Jim. There are Hasbro properties that are they've been published while there's been no G.I. Joe book. And one could make a case that My Little Pony is the actual crown jewel because it's the one that's selling better than everything else. Um, I did some looking up because we, we did mention a few months ago where they mentioned the crown jewel phrase before. And the writer of this actually has made a point every time that they, he talks about it, he uses that phrase and here's what he said in an interview. I, I just pulled up, um, if you think about it, G.I. Joe is a homegrown property. Mask is from another company. Transformers came from Japan. G.I. Joe predates all of them. That's the heart of it, but it's not the most popular, which I'm actually kind of grateful for. It gives us more freedom. So basically, he says, because Hasbro or because G.I. Joe is the American property where he doesn't. I mean, yeah, the, the Transformer toys came from Japan, but the fiction, which really is what this is all about is the fiction. That was all us that was all marvel so one the guy doesn't know what he's talking about and two it's just it's an insult i think to those of us that were buying other hasbro titles in the last few years so i mean on that alone it soured me on anything this guy does yeah i mean and and i yeah i don't i don't really i mean for me it's I, I don't I like I, I find it really I mean I'm I'm not super insulted but I do find it kind of funny and I find it kind of counterproductive because if you're trying to draw in new readers and particularly I mean this whole event 
is trying to capitalize on the Transformers universe and expand the Transformers universe. So you got to figure a good amount of your revolution readers who are checking out this book are probably going to be Transformers readers or at least some portion. I mean, I know they're trying to draw in new readers, but yeah. If you're trying to keep the Transformers readers or get the Transformers readers to try your G.I. Joe book, calling the G.I. Joe book the crown jewel of the Hasbro universe, while the Hasbro universe is actually the Transformers universe with all these other guys thrown in there. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we took your (laughs) we took your universe and now you're not the crown jewel. You're just this other property. And now G.I. Joe is really the center of this universe. That's I'm sure that's it's presumptuous (laughs) and you you haven't earned the right to be that egotistical yet. Yeah. I mean, for a while there, the um, Tom Scioli book was selling gangbusters. He could have made a claim like that and, you know, kind of dissed the other Transformer books. He didn't, thankfully. But maybe after this has been around for a year or so, and if sales numbers are good, then make a claim like that and say, Hey, this is the property that has the most years behind it. Blah, blah, blah. It's the crown jewel. But at this point, when you're trying to convince readers of other properties, particularly transformers to give your title a shot, don't just insult them right off the bat saying, Hey, you know what you're, what you've been reading, you know, for the last 10 years or whatever, you know, that that's cute and all, but it's not real comics. This is the real comics. Yeah. And I mean, to give, to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, I, I mean, I, I sincerely hope that he didn't mean that. I mean, I know that that can, it can give that impression, but I, I, I'd like to think that he has more respect for the other properties and for transformers in general. So, um, I'm giving him the, uh, the benefit of the doubt that, you know, you're, it's, you're a better person than me because <laughs> I, I read a quote from him and I assume that because Transformers didn't come from America, it's obviously not as good, even though it's just as homegrown as GI Joe. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so that, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, if that is, if that is his meaning, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad, but for right now i'll give him the benefit of the doubt but um but i mean in general for this book in particular um i did like the art for the characters like in particular i thought scar it was interesting how scarlet had kind of an anime-esque face yeah i thought the same thing and uh so those characters are good but i didn't like how the dire wraiths were portrayed because it kind of didn't make sense because they start off when they approach the base. Okay. The dire rates have control of the base and they're actually firing weapons at them. But then when they get further into the fight, the dire rates just forget that they have guns and just like, just March, you know, like they they act they, just like zombies. They, they just go march from, into- <laughs> from being ranged com- combatants to only having melee. Exactly. <laughs> to use the the D&D terms there. <laughs> and yeah, I mean it's like it doesn't make sense. You've got a swarm of dire wraiths. They have to if they've taken over the soldiers at the base, they have to have the soldiers guns. So why are they just letting rock and roll crowd surf on them as he just murders them? It, it, I mean, I I understand you have a small team against, you know, these insurmountable odds. 
but I think they they could have done a better job of making it believable that these guys could could fight back or or maybe even have some people in the base who weren't taken over who actually helped them out somehow, you know, other than Grand Slam. I, it's just not believable that they just completely destroyed these hordes of dire wraiths because the dire wraiths just decided to walk into their bullets over and over again. It's, uh, you know, it was just, it just felt weird to me. Um, also the, the, the art for the wraiths. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned already, they look more like generic zombies than the dire race, how they look in ROM or the revolution books. I think they, they could have done a better job of making them look more like the wraiths from the other, uh, from the other comics. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then the last, the last thing I, I thought was interesting was if they're going to make sky warp, a GI Joe regular in the GI Joe comic that, uh, you know, it looks like, I, I think I remember in, in another interview, the writer, Aubrey citizen did say that he's going to have a transformer in the GI Joe comic. So maybe that's sky warp. So that'll, that'll be interesting, I guess. I mean, I did see other interviews where he he mentioned that he wants the G.I. Joe comic to be more like sci-fi oriented than complete like military. Well, I think it's going to go more towards the um, the cartoon stuff with more sci-fi. And it's, you know, the, the previous IDW comics were more military focused mm-hmm. and it wasn't really, you know, for fans of the TV show, it it wasn't as recognizable. Mm hmm. So I mean I think that's a good 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 direction to take it. Yeah. But you know don't call it the crown jewel of the Hasbro universe. Yeah. I'm just I'm glad I have access to the review copies so I won't have to spend any money to determine whether it's actually good or not. Charles getting back to Skywarp, when was the last time we saw him in the regular books? Uh, he was, uh, I, I did actually look this up on the wiki. He did. I'm sure he did. That's why I'm asking you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he was in, he was in, uh, like they showed him in Transformers, I guess it was 56 or 57. Like they showed the Joe team rescue or took him when they got, um, GB Blackrock. Right. Right. So when, when, uh, when they, when they finally like. In All Hail Optimus, when they beat Galvatron, Skywarp teleported himself and GB Blackrock to the, um, like, was it to the White House, I think? And then, like, they surrendered, and then uh, the, um, the, mil- the the EDC or the G.I. Joes took them into custody. And hmm. so he was, uh, he's been, you know, basically working with them for a little while. Okay. So... Although it's kind of odd that they didn't draw him like, you know, he's been kind of phasing in and out that he's completely solid here. So, you know, where are they going to take that? He got better. (laughs) Yeah. Also, his body has changed. He is not in his fall of Cybertron body anymore. Yeah, he he definitely looks more like his G1 seeker. Yeah. So somehow between being captured and being discovered in this prisoner thing, he changed bodies, which is well in process of getting better. (laughs) Right. Of of course they, yeah. Idiots. (laughs) Crown jewel, my ass. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I I guess uh, 
that's all we have to say for the G.I. Joe Revolution Extra. So uh, let's close out the crown jewel of the Transmissions Podcast Network. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time on another Transmissions Extra. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.